Well, guys, as you remember, last week we started a brand new series on worship. And last week we talked about how so often in Christianity, worship is simply defined as singing and, and music. We will say things like, hey, let's all join together and let's, let's worship our Lord. And what we mean by that is, let's, hey, let's join together and let's sing songs to our God. It, it, worship has become all about music and singing. But we took the time to address that and talk about the reality that worship is so much more than that. Worship is a huge topic and really it involves every aspect of our life, kind of like that announcement I was just making on work. We could literally spend the entire year focusing on different aspects of worship. It's that big of a topic. It certainly is not just limited to singing and music. We then took some time to understand that if we're going to understand worship, we need to see where it comes from. How, how does it happen? In other words, where, what generates worship in our life? And the answer we came up with on that, looking at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, is that worship begins where? Does anybody remember? In our mind, exactly. Worship begins in our thought life. And from there, moves into action. Remember, thoughts lead to actions, okay? And as worship begins in our thought life, it then leads to different acts of worship that bring honor and glory to our Lord and our King. We then ended the sermon um, last week with a definition. We gave ourselves a definition for the word worship, and, and hopefully it'll be a definition that you can wrap your, your head around. And I'm going to go easy on you. I know it's the first week, so I'm not going to ask you to quote it by memory, but I'll put it on the screen behind me, and I would like for all of us to read it out loud, Okay. You ready? Here it is. Worship is the inherent attitude of a renewed thought life. That's right. And last week we said we would take time to kind of unpack that definition so it would make sense for us. And so that's what we're going to do today. Worship is the inherent attitude of a renewed thought life. Now, I know that definition sounds kind of fancy because we got the word inherent in there. That's not really a word that we use a lot. But um, I could have just said the, you know, worship is the attitude of a renewed thought life, but I added it because I want us to see that when we have a renewed thought life, a built-in reality of that thought life, renewed thought life, is an attitude of worship. It's just, it's just part of the landscape, okay? It's just part of the deal. And so I said the inherent attitude of a renewed thought life to just help bring the power of what a renewed thought life actually does for us. It just produces this attitude of worship. All right, so let's dig in. If worship begins with our thought life, and worship is the basic attitude of a renewed thought life, then what do we need to first look at? Our thoughts, exactly. We need to, we need to be looking at what we're thinking about. And more specifically, we need to ask ourselves the question, what thoughts are we thinking about God? Okay? What thoughts are we thinking about God? And, and you know, I just want to kind of throw a little comment in here if I can. Um, you know, when I'm, when I'm talking about the word worship and I'm defining the word worship, it's assumed that we're talking about worship of God. Okay? Worship of Yahweh, the Most High God, the God of the Bible, the one who we worship as a church. Obviously, we could 
worship other things and other idols and other gods or whatever, and other people do all the time, but we're not talking about that. Okay, So when we put this definition in place, it's talking about worshiping our great God. Does that make sense? So just keep that in mind. So back to the question. What thoughts are we thinking about God? Now, I know that sounds like kind of a weird question, you know, like what thoughts are we thinking about God? But it is a great question to ask ourselves. In fact, we should ask ourselves that right now. What thoughts are we thinking about God right now? Right now at this moment? Well, the truth is, it's Sunday. Okay? And we're all gathered today to sing praises to God, to talk about God, to spend time with the family of God. And you know, usually when we're all together on Sunday, gathered together, our thoughts about God are pretty good. Okay? In song, we're reminded about how awesome He is. In sermons, we more and more get a peek into how great He is and how He loves us so much. And so usually on Sundays, our thoughts about God are pretty good. I don't know if you guys are like this, but I can remember when I wasn't up here on the stage and I was sitting in the pews, I would, I'd, I'd come on Sunday mornings and, and you know, I'd, I'd spend time singing and praising and then I'd listen to the sermon and, and I would get encouraged and I'd get challenged and I'd be like, oh, yeah, I want to run after Jesus. I, I want my life to count for God. And I'd, I'd get all excited and I'd be all revved up and, and then you go home. And Monday comes, and Tuesday comes, and Wednesday, and the rest of the week. And we go back home to our problems. And we go back home to our, our, our failing finances, and to our failing marriages, and to our failing health, to our lives of suffering. And when we go back home to that, what sort of thoughts are we thinking about God? Well, we just finished a series on doubt in the storm. And we literally talked about that. What sort of things do we think about God when we're in the midst of a storm? And, and some of the things that we think of so obviously are, well, God isn't a good God. I mean, if I'm going through this, obviously God is not a good God. And then we think, well, God must not love me. He doesn't love me. There's no way He would allow me to go through this if He loves me. And then we start to think, you know, God isn't here. His presence isn't with me. He's a million miles away. And then we start to think, well, God, you know, He's just simply out to ruin my life. And on and on the thoughts go. Those are the type of thoughts we think about God. And as you guys well know, the enemy hops right on that. And he begins to, to play with those things. He's whispering those things in our ear over and over and over again. He's constantly trying to get us to think those thoughts about God. Because listen to me, if He can get us to think those thoughts about God, what will that lead to in our life? A whole lot of bad things. Thinking bad thoughts about God will lead to the opposite of worship. It will lead to things like scorn against God, disdain for God, anger towards God, Bitterness towards God. Hatred towards God. And sometimes, ultimately, rejection of God. Think about it. If thoughts lead to actions, and we start thinking bad thoughts of God, then it will most definitely lead to bad actions in our life. We all 
know of people in our life who seemingly they were running after Jesus, they loved God, they were followers of God, and then something bad happens in their life, and the next thing you know, they start thinking bad thoughts about God. And it grows deeper, and it snowballs, and it gets worse and worse and worse to where we suddenly hear that this person has ultimately turned his or her back against God. And where did that happen? Because of thinking thoughts that weren't good about God. Simply put, guys, thinking bad thoughts about God is going to lead to a life of sin, and sometimes it can lead to the ultimate rejection of God Himself. Thinking bad thoughts about God never leads to anything good. It most certainly will not lead to a life of worship. It just won't. And so Whitestone, third service, don't allow yourself to think those thoughts. Don't do it. Don't allow yourself to think bad thoughts about God. It doesn't matter what you're going through. Don't allow your mind to go there. This last summer I shared with you in the the most recent series, in the beginning of August, I started to think bad thoughts about God and it began to snowball. And I tell you guys, I was headed to a very dark place. And it all started with my thought life. And that's why we need a renewed thought life. We must train our mind to to think great thoughts about God. We must discipline our minds to dwell on the beauty and the power and the goodness of God. And let me tell you guys, listen to me here, let me tell you, this will not be done for us. This is not going to automatically happen. This is something that you must choose to do. Check out this verse in Philippians chapter 4. It says this, it says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable if anything is excellent or praiseworthy what are we supposed to do think about such things think about such things you are to think about these things and i tell you it will not be done for you you must choose to dwell your mind on these things because i'll tell you your mind, without any effort on your own, will automatically go the other direction, won't it? I don't know if it's because our mind it has to be because our minds are fallen, sin-filled pieces of humanity, but it seems that without any effort, our minds will always focus on the bad. Isn't that crazy? We will always focus on the negative. Let's say that you, as a husband, you, you're going to go out and you're going to build a deck on your house. And you pour yourself into it, and you, you do the best job, and it turns out awesome, and your kids walk out, and they're like, Ted, this rocks, man. This is awesome. Your neighbor's on the other side of the fence like, dude, awesome. Great job in the deck. It looks amazing. And then your wife walks out and goes, yeah, it's nice, but what's up with this? <laughs> Tell me, what are you going to think about? This. Why? Because we will always focus on the negative. That's with anything. A couple of years ago, I spoke at, I spoke at the New Year, or Christmas Eve. You know, I did the Christmas Eve sermon. And I had a lot of people you know, send me emails and say, Luke, that was, just, that was a great sermon. God used you to just really impact my life. Thank you so much. And a bunch of, bunch of emails like that. I got one email that said, I don't know what you were thinking, but this part of the sermon I thought was terrible. 
I can't believe that you, you actually said that. Well, guess what I thought from New, Christmas Eve all the way till you know, New Year's Eve? I was thinking about that one email. That was all bad. That's what we do. It's natural. Now, think about it. What do we do with our bodies? So often we will focus on the bad part of our bodies. It, I was a youth pastor, man. Youth girls are notorious for this. They will come into my office and be like, Pastor Luke, I, just, I don't know, I'm just really struggling with my ears. I, just, I have really small ears. All my other friends, they have you know, normal ears. Mine are really small and they're just gross. And I'm like, I can't even see your ears. Your hair covers them. Like, I know, but if I were to lift my hair up, everybody would see my ears. Oh, my, my cuticles, my nails, they're all ugly. And all my friends have beautiful nails, and mine are just nasty. And everybody, you know, looks at them, and they're gross. And I just, I wish God wouldn't have made me this way. And I'm just like, dude, seriously? You only have one thing to worry about. I mean, these girls would be beautiful, and yet they're worrying about this one thing. I'm like, try being me. I got like 40 things wrong with me, you know? <laughs> And yet we dwell on that one thing. You know, it's funny. I shared this with first service and second service. I don't know why, but I did. Um, I just came to the realization this week. I had n- never knew this, but I've got really short arms. <laughs> I never knew. And I know this is really weird and maybe gross, but the way I found that out is I, would, I went to the bathroom, and I realized I had to bend over to unzip my zipper. And I was like... And the reason I noticed it is it kind of hurt my back. And so, I know you guys are thinking, why is my pastor talking about this? But I went home that night, and at supper table, I was talking to my boys and my nephew, and I'm like, guys, do you guys have to bend over to unzip your zipper? And they're kind of like, Dad, please don't ever ask us that question again. That's disgusting. And I'm like, no, I'm serious. Do you guys have to? And they're like, no. We don't have to bend over to unzip our zipper. And I'm like, well, I do. I don't know what it is. And I realize I've got short arms. I realize when I get into a car, I have to scoot really close to the steering wheel to reach the steering wheel. And people will be like, Luke, you're a tall guy. You're driving like a little, little kid. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, I just have short arms. It's crazy. You guys are probably like, finally, you found that out. You look like little T-Rex up there. Ah, you know, that's probably what you guys are thinking. But we focus on those things. What do we do as spouses? So often we will focus on the one or two negative things about our spouse. We don't focus on the amazing thousand other things that they do for us and, and that, that they're just gifted at. We focus on the bad thing. And that's what we dwell on. Think about this. How often do we, you know, we're so quick to blame God for all the bad things that happen to us. Have you ever noticed that? We blame Him for that. We dwell on those things. But you know what? Very rarely do we ever thank God for the amazing good things we have. Think about this for just a second. How many times have we gotten into our cars and driven someplace and driven back safely. For years after years after years, we have gotten into our cars and we've driven somewhere safely. We've gotten home safely. And you know what? We don't so much as whisper a word to God and say, God, thank you for the safety. Thank you for your protection. 
But I'll tell you, and you know what? Your neighbor may have been for years driven safely. Your entire street may have driven safely for years upon years. But then, all of a sudden, one day, someone gets into an accident, and somebody ends up in the hospital, and what sort of thoughts are we thinking? We're thinking, God, why? Why would you do this? Are you out to ruin my life? You're like a thousand million miles away from me right now. I can't feel your presence. Why would you do this to me? And we always seem to focus on the negative. And we rarely ever focus on all the amazing good things He's done for us. And I believe that's our natural bent. That's our sin-bent reality. We will always focus on the negative. And you know what? I believe the enemy preys on that and reinforces that into our society. I mean, it's built right into our society. Think about it. Have you ever checked out the news lately? What does the news focus on? All the negative. Everything that's bad. I mean, it is crazy. The news is always trying to be the first to break the news of something bad. Now, think about it. What is usually the last thing the older generation does before they go to bed? What's the 10 o'clock news? Think about how stupid that is. You sit there and you go, there were 13 murders in Milwaukee tonight. A little kid was shot on a drive-by shooting. There were three fires. Five people were dead in the fires. Paramedics were not able to rescue. There were six sexual misconducts and so-and-so, and the mayor is getting rejected and blah, blah, blah. And, there's this, and you're, like, you're waiting for the weather to finally get some good news. And in Wisconsin, we don't even get good news there. <laughs> and then it's finally all done. You're like, all right, sweetheart, I'm going to bed. And that's what your mind is dwelling on. All the negative, evil, bad things that have happened in the surrounding area. And you go to sleep with that. The enemy's pretty crafty. That's what the, that's what the enemy does. Our minds are bent that way. And so we must renew our minds to think on whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, we should think about these kind of things. We must renew our thought life. And guys, that means constantly keeping aware of what we are allowing our minds to think about, especially in relationship to God. Now, here's the beauty of teaching our minds to dwell in the goodness of God and the, the greatness of God and the awesomeness of God. Here, here's the beauty of it. And I, I need you to listen to me here. I need you to get this. The more that our minds dwell on the goodness and greatness and awesomeness of God, the more that we will be enthralled with who He is. The more we will be overcome with how amazing God is. And out of that, we will want to spend time with Him. Out of that, we're going to want to, we're going to want to learn to be like him. We're going to want to talk to him. We're going to want to sing to him. It will be just this natural outflow. And guys, that simple principle applies to anything that we choose to think about, choose to think good thoughts about. Anything that we choose to adore, these natural outflows are going to come from it. Like, for instance, let me use this example for you if I can. I know it's a little touchy. Let's look at this guy. There are many people in Wisconsin, maybe even in this room, who in a very real sense worship Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you, you adore this guy. 
And how can I say that? Because you think incredible thoughts about this guy. In fact, how many, you can be honest here, how many think he's the best quarterback in the world right now? All right, how about the universe? All right, let's go together. Yeah, I mean, you guys think this guy is amazing. And so you think amazing thoughts about him. You read about him. You, you watch him on TV. You listen to the radio broadcasts about him. You wear his jersey number. You, you even have pictures hanging up in your houses of him. And let me tell you, if you had the chance to meet with Aaron Rodgers and hang out with him, you would jump at the chance because you adore this guy. Now, not now, but a few years back, many of you guys were like that with Brett Favre. Brett Favre was the guy that everybody adored and, and worshipped. In fact, I'm being dead honest here, when he retired, I did counseling with two people. I'm serious. They came in because he retired. The first time. The first time he retired. Okay? They came in. I remember this one woman. She's just like, I just don't know what to do. I just feel like the rug's been torn out from under me. I just can't believe he's gone. I'm like, well, he's not gone yet. He's going to retire three more times, so you're probably be fine. But I couldn't believe it. I was watching this, this newscast of recently. It was like a year ago. Uh, they were doing, they were honoring a bunch of guests at Lambeau Field, and they were talking to this guy in the newscast, and he's like, yeah, it's the most amazing thing. I'm hanging back there at some, you know, on the side of Lambeau Field, and I'm just so excited to be here, just so thrilling. And I'm sitting there, and wouldn't you know it, out of the door walks Brett Favre, and he walks up to me, and he begins to speak to me, and just the greatest day of my life. I just, all my dreams came true. And I'm like, dude, you look like an idiot. You worship this guy. And you know what? That's completely natural for anyone who just adores somebody else. To think good thoughts about anyone. I don't care who it is. You're, you're going to want to be with them. You're going to want to be like them. You're going to want to follow them. You're going to want to you know, talk with them. Well, guys, let me tell you something. This is how we must think about God. We must have these kind of thoughts about God. John Piper told this story once. He says, you know, he went, went one time to this big dinner. And uh, he had the privilege to sit next to Billy Graham. And he was all excited. I mean, he was just thrilled to be such, by such an amazing guy. And he leaned over to Billy during, this, during the dinner and he says, Hey, Billy, I know that you have met with kings and queens and prime ministers and presidents. You know, of all the people that you've met with, who has most... Who was probably the most inspirational and most impactful in your life? Who stood out the most? And Billy looks at John and he says, John, that's easy. He says, of all the people that I've ever met with, the one who stands out to me the most is Jesus. It's Jesus. He's been the most inspirational to me. He's been the most precious to spend time with more than anybody else. You know, guys, that's the kind of thoughts we need to have towards God. Let me show you someone else who thought great thoughts about God. He's a pretty famous guy in the Old Testament. His name is King David. And King David is a perfect example of a man who thought incredible thoughts about God. Let me show you. Psalm 84, it says, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. 
I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. David thought so highly of God that he wanted to be with him more than anywhere else on this earth. Anywhere. Psalm 27, one thing I ask of the Lord. This, this is what I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in the temple. David thought so highly of God, he wanted to live in God's house and just sit and just gaze at His beauty. Psalm 40, I desire to do Your will, O God. Your law is written in my heart. David thought so highly of God that he wanted to obey Him. Psalm 71, My tongue will tell of your righteous acts all day long. David thought so highly of God that he just wanted to talk about Him all day long. Psalm 59, But I will sing of your strength. In the morning I will sing of your love. For you are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. David thought so highly of God that he wanted to sing about God in the morning. David is what you would call a complete fanatic about God. He, couldn't, he didn't want to stop thinking about God. His thought life was consumed with him. And because his thought life was so consumed with God, worship flowed from out of it. He wanted to be with God. He wanted to live with God. He wanted to look at God. He wanted to obey God. He wanted to talk about God. He wanted to sing about God. There was no other place on this earth that he would rather be than be with God. That is a renewed thought life. But let me tell you something, guys. This didn't just happen naturally for David. Nobody did this for David. This wasn't automatic. No, he made the choices to think about such things. He renewed his mind. And out of that renewed mind came these acts of worship. Ask yourself the question, what am I thinking about God? Or how about this? Am I even thinking about God? You see, most of us, we'll come here on a Sunday, we'll think our thoughts about God, and then we will go home and we will not think about Him again until next Sunday. And then we're like, yeah, yeah, I need to make God part of my everyday life and thoughts. And, and then we go home and we do the very same thing over again. It becomes this vicious cycle. Third service, let me just tell you something. This cannot be. It can't be. That type of life will not foster a renewed mind. And therefore, we will not live a worshipful life. You know, this is why throughout the generations of Christianity, true followers of Jesus, disciples of Christ, have used spiritual disciplines to be able to renew their minds in such a way as to become people who truly worship God with their life. Things like solitude. Things like memorization. Things like fasting. Things like Bible study. Things like, like prayer. Things like meditation. Things like fellowship. Things like simplicity. I mean, on and on it goes. There's, there's a, a non-ending list of spiritual disciplines we could apply to our life. 
But if you choose to apply these disciplines into your life, you will find that your mind will start to slowly but surely be transformed, will be, I mean, be renewed. And out of that mind being renewed, your life will be transformed. And these are tried and true practices that will produce the desired Christian life within us. But you want to know why? Because God's grace will work along with us to do the things that we could never do on our own. But these things will not be done for us. We must choose to do them. Let me end with this. I find in my own life when my mind is dwelling on the things of this world, my actions are far from godly. I'm easily depressed. I'm easily anxious. I'm easily angered. All because my mind is dwelling on the things of this world. I, yeah, I would be what you would say. I'm conformed to this world. I'm just acting like anybody else in the world. And I, I may say that I want to change that. I may say that I want to renew my mind. I may say that I want to apply these disciplines into my life. But you know, often it doesn't happen. And do you want to know why? Here's why. Because I don't plan for it. I don't plan to incorporate these things into my life. And you know what? If you don't plan for it, it will never happen. It's like the old adage says, I don't know if I got this right or not, but if you fail to plan, you're just planning to fail. And so I would encourage every one of us in this new year to make some plans in our everyday life that will help us renew our minds. Carve out some time to spend time with God in these spiritual disciplines. You know, we, we do it all the time. We'll use our phones and our calendars to carve out time for our business, for our work, or for a family, but we rarely ever do it for God. But we must do so if we plan to become men and women who truly worship God in every facet of our life. Something that I like to do at the start of every new year is to set goals for the year. And I know many people are like, well, I can't stand New Year's resolutions. They're just stupid. Well, you know what? If you never set a New Year's resolution, if you'd never set a goal, guess what? You won't accomplish that goal. So at least you need to set something. Aim for something. Because if you don't aim for something, you'll hit nothing. Is that, somebody already used that? That sounds pretty good. You should write that down. <laughs> but something I like to do is I like to set goals for kind of the three parts of who I am. Our, our mind, body, spirit. And I like to break those three down into three different things and set goals for each part of that. Like for my mind, mental goals. What, what do we want to do for that? Well, here's some suggestions. How about you take this year to memorize a book of the Bible? Now, the first reaction for all of you is like, sweet, no way, that's like a mental impossibility. No, it's not. You can do it. If you put the effort and the time into it, God has given you an incredible brain. And you can memorize it. And I tell you, when you apply that discipline, it renews your mind. How about this? How about you choose to, to read a Christian book every month? One month, pick a book. Another month, pick another book. Read through it. Study it. Challenge your mind. Instead of sitting in front of the TV, choose to study. What are some physical goals we could set ourselves up for? Well, maybe you could say, you know, I want, to, I want to be able to run three miles a week. I wouldn't recommend it, but if you want to do that, that's great. 
I'm not a runner. can't stand it. Go on a walk once a day. Choose to lose a certain amount of weight. Set a goal. Now, I do want to say something about the physical. Because a lot of times, you know, we will focus on the physical more than anything else. You want to know why? Because it has effects that everybody goes, oh, wow, you're looking good, man. And you take little selfies of yourself. And you can easily start to worship that rather than, you know, you, you miss what you're trying to do it for. So I encourage, do these things with God. Do these physical activities with God. Uh, we have someone on our staff who she's a runner. And I asked them, like, what are you doing when you're running these long distances? That's ridiculous. She's like, that's my time with God. I just talk with Him. I pray. I worship Him. I just spend time with God. I don't know how in the world she does that because I'd be like gasping and trying to stay alive. But that's her time. She does it with Jesus, and I love that. So what are some physical goals you could do with Jesus? What are the spiritual goals you could apply to yourself this year? How about this? How about choose to pray 10 minutes a day? 10 minutes. Don't start with three hours. Don't be like, yeah, I'm going to do three hours a day. No, just choose 10. If you do three hours, you won't get very far. How about meditate on Jesus for 10 minutes a day? How about choose to fast one day of the week? Apply these disciplines. I've noticed that when you Apply disciplines to these three components of you, who you are. tell you, it greatly affects the renewal of your mind. And then, guys, once you've got these goals, let me tell you, don't just stop there. Set a plan into place to reach these goals. Because it will take time. And then, work the plan. I also find that it helps to tell somebody about your goals. To say, guys, here's... Here's what I intend to do for the year of 2018. Because it keeps you accountable. It's funny because my wife and I will be things like, you know, she'll be like, now Luke, I'm going to tell you this, but I don't want you to be like, oh, you told me this, you said this. And so she'll tell me something that she's trying to work on, and I'm not allowed to be like, well, I remember January 4th, you told me you were going to do that. So don't do that to each other, but it helps to tell someone, say, here, here's my goals. Put it up on the fridge for your whole family to see so that your little boy, your little girl can come out and say, hey, Dad, how you doing with this? Hey, Mom, how, how you doing with this? It gives accountability. It helps, you know, you reach that plan. And then do whatever it takes to make these things a reality. Now, here's the cool thing, guys. While you're doing this, sit back and watch how the Holy Spirit works with you by His grace to accomplish in you what you could never do on your own. He works along with you in these disciplines. It's amazing. It's a beautiful thing to experience. And so I'd encourage you, third service, to apply these things, put them into action for this year of 2018. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, um, the truth is, we live in a world that is just constantly barraging our thought life. Just constantly bombarding us with negative things. Evil. Wickedness. Things that are against You. Things that, that are against what Your Word tells us is true. And God, it, it's easy for us to just buy into that type of thinking. But then God, we see the mess of that type of thinking in our lives and the actions that we live out. So God, I pray that we might become a group of men and women who 
are on the process of renewing our mind. I ask, ask that Your Spirit would give us strength and resolve to be able to apply ourselves to these disciplines and then sit back and watch You do this amazing, miraculous work in our lives. Because God, we want to become men and women that worship You in every facet of our life. And so I pray that You would equip us and teach us and train us to become these kind of men and women. Men and women women that the world desperately needs to see. And so I pray this in Your name, Jesus. The name above all names. Amen.